for God's Word. And I hope you brought your Bible and you will find Mark's Gospel, the eighth chapter. And I know you've been standing and sitting and up and down a lot this morning, but if you would, one more time, out of respect for God's Word, just stand with me and let's read this together. Mark, the eighth chapter, beginning in the 22nd verse. Here's what the word of the Lord says. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him, Jesus, a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, don't even enter the town. He sent him to his home, which was outside the town, because he said, don't go back into town. He had traveled blind all the way into town. Jesus then took him by the hand, and walks him all the way back out again, makes him travel blind, doesn't say anything to him, spits in his eye, lays his hands on him, and he says, what do you see? And the man says, well, I see, but not very clearly. I just see people, but they're like trees walking around. I want to talk to you today on the subject of when change is not easy. When change is not easy, I know for some of you, you pray and everything happens just immediately, and when you decide to make a change, it just happens, and there's no problems for you, you're so disciplined, but for the rest of us, for those of us who struggle, who stumble, who strive for every change that we make, who uh, have to fight for change, I think this is going to be helpful for you this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I need this message today. So um, speak to me, fill me with your spirit, help me to pass along what you're teaching. God, be very real, and may all of us respond to what your spirit is saying. I ask this in Jesus' name. Do something great and mighty in our hearts and in our minds today. We're believing you, God. By faith, we're believing you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. I am a man who hates pain. I'm not talking about physical pain because I don't like that either. I, I don't much like pain, but I'm talking about emotional pain. I don't like to be disappointed. I don't like rejection. I'll do anything not to feel rejection or disappointment. In fact, I'll go out of my way. If I think something may cause me rejection, I won't even ask the question and face the risk that I might be rejected. I'll sort of avoid the whole thing. Anybody relate to that? You know what I'm talking about? I just, I just don't like disappointment. I found that I've had to lower my expectations over the course of my life. I, you know, I have high standards, high, high uh, you know, standards for me and for other people, but to get along, to, uh, to exist, I've had to lower my expectations. When you, have, when you expect less, it hurts less, right? 
And so we've, I've found ways, you know, to deal with not, you know, to deal with pain and to, to figure, uh, and to handle it. Not the best. I've struggled for years with, with, with trying to lose weight, and I, I'm like a yo-yo up and down. I don't have a weight problem. I have a pain problem. <laughs> That's what my issue is, is I just, you know, I, when something's eating me, I, I eat, you know? It's just part of the way I respond. I'm embarrassed saying that. I don't really like to tell you that, but it's important to just to share with you uh, my own struggle as we talk about change not being easy. Before we deal with this man's blindness, we have to talk about his expectation. Because it's very hard to trust or to have great expectations after you've been disappointed or when you've settled for something that's that's less than what uh, you originally thought. Don't ask me uh, to believe that. Don't ask me to trust. In fact, there was a woman in the Bible who said to the prophet, don't you lie to me. Don't you tell me that God is going to do something in my life. Don't you tell me that God's going to give me a son and then lie to me and it doesn't happen. After I've gotten used to the idea that I'm not going to be having any children. Don't tell me I'm going to be married after I've gotten used to being single. Don't tell me about healing when I've gotten used to the idea that this is probably the way it's always going to be. Don't tell me something that's going to bring up fresh pain in my life. I've already gotten used to the way things are. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you start talking about my blindness, you're going to wake up some pain in me I might not even know that I had. And so there's a lot of resistance to change, but not just from the outside. There's walls on the inside as well. The seeing people brought this man, this blind man, to Jesus. If you read the text close enough, you realize he didn't even want to go. It says that when the people brought him to Jesus, they were begging for Jesus to heal him. I'm wondering, why is a blind man in front of Jesus not asking Jesus to heal him himself? Because of the walls that are on the inside. I don't even know if I want to believe that you can heal me. It's what we do when we're people who have encountered disappointment. The seeing people believed. They brought this man to Jesus, like as if he had no choice. Like, I don't care, we're bringing you. We're taking you to Jesus. We, don't you know what he can do? He healed Bartimaeus like that. He, he cried out from the side of the road and he healed Bartimaeus. He heals all kinds of people. He, he's healed deaf people and he's healed lame people and he's raised people from the dead. But the reason we're telling you about him is because he specializes in healing blind people. And I want you to know, if you read the, the Gospels, that's really what Jesus did more than anything else. Do you know that the, he did more miracles of healing people who were blind than any other miracle? Do you know that his first message that he ever preached, he said, God sent me here to open the eyes of the blind. When John the Baptist sent a, a question, are you really who you say that you are when he was in prison, Jesus responds and he says, well, <laughs> you know, the blind eyes have been opened That was the proof. When Jesus' uh, ministry exploded and the critics began to attack him, the greatest rebuttal that the critics ever got was a man who simply said, yeah, I don't know who he is either, but this one thing I know, once I was blind, but now I see. I mean, Jesus healed a lot of blind people. So he has the ability to heal. I mean, it's a a reputation that he heals blind people, but this guy does not want to go. 
His friends have to bring him. Come on, we can go. You know, get your stick, get the bag. We're going to go. Yeah, but how far is it? Where is it? Well, it's in Bethsaida. Well, that's far. I don't want to go to Bethsaida. I don't want to travel. No, but you have to go because he's, when you get there, I mean, he heals people. He could heal you. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I want you to get present to the resistance that's inside of this man and see if it doesn't strike a chord with you about your own resistance. He's going to have to travel and make a good journey from where he is in all the way into a small city. And he's blind. I mean, you and I, it's hard to travel and we can see. If, if, if right now you suddenly became blind and I said, you need to go on the journey to find your car somewhere in one of these lots, that would be difficult for you. I mean, if, if, if you suddenly had to make your way just to find your car and you couldn't see, it'd be hard to do. The other thing I know about traveling is, is when it's down a famil- an unfamiliar road, when, when I'm going to a place I've never been before, doesn't it seem to always take longer but it's harder when I don't really know where I'm going. It's just more difficult. It takes forever to get there. And so this guy's got a lot of factors against him. He's going, I don't know if I really want to go. And his friends say, you have to go. And he doesn't know how it's going to turn out. He doesn't have a Bible. He hasn't read his own story. He doesn't know how his own story is going to end. And you know, none of us do really, right? That's why life surprises us. That's why we say things like we're blindsided when stuff happens. I mean, you stand before uh, a pastor or a minister or a judge someday, and uh, they say, do you take this woman for better or for worse? You should ask, well, how worse? Because <laughs> you don't know. I mean, are we talking, you know, what are we talking about here? How, how bad could it be? In sickness or in health? What are we talking about? Some arthritis or like lose your mind crazy? Like, you know, you need to know. I don't know. For richer... Or for poor? What, are we going to be like late on a few bills every once in a while? Or like under the bridge homeless, you know? <laughs> you see, there's no sign. There's nothing that says that this person, you know, is the person that you think that they're not going to bail on the first sign of, you know, conflict. You don't know. You, you, you find that out later in life. You find out that, you know, you took the job blind. You really didn't know what it was going to be like. Or, or you hired the guy and you didn't know he was going to steal from you. I mean, you just don't know exactly how things are going to turn out. We get blindsided in life. People uh, are, are strange. They're, they're crazy. I, I, one thing I know for sure, it's not if you have a blind area, it's just where are you blind, you know? All of us. I haven't met one really, in 20 years of ministry, one really normal person. If you're normal, I'd like to meet you right after the service. I'll interview you because I've never met anybody like this. We're all, we're all blind and we have areas, things that we don't see clearly. And you know, the problem is when my blindness and your blindness bump into each other, the scriptures say that if both of us are blind, we'll fall in a ditch. So, you know, we've got issues with blindness. And, and these, these friends, they're wonderful friends to just kind of ignore his, his blindness and say, you got to go. You know, um, people only have patience, patience usually with people who have the same kind of problem as them. You ever notice this? I got lots of patience for you if it's the same thing that I'm struggling with. But let it be something else, you just drive me crazy, right? Isn't that true? Church people love to act like they have no issues. Okay, so I'm coming in now. Get ready to watch your toes. 
They love to act like everything's good and there's no problem and we're fine. And then, you know, really 20-20 vision on everybody else and, and what they should be doing. And quick, Christians are so quick to be judgmental and, you know, identify other people's problems and their lack of progress and, and say, you know, if they only would read the word more, if they just prayed more, if they just would, you know, stop it, <laughs> whatever it is, and if they would just quit or, you know, if only, if only, if only. And it's just painful and it's just judgmental. But these guys, I just want to talk about the loving friends, the the seeing people who saw the big picture, who put up with this guy's resistance, who said, you know, I don't want to go. And they says, no, no, I don't care what you say. You're going with us. We're taking you to Jesus. You got to come. The accountability of that. Thank God for friends who see us the way that we are and love us enough to still walk with us. Those are some incredible friends, some sacrificial friends, like people who say, I'm going to put in the study and the work and and be disciplined enough to come alongside some people and walk with them through whatever it is that they go through. If we're going to be a church that has that kind of spiritual maturity, it's going to take friends who say, I'll be with you on the journey no matter what. That's what Stephen's ministry is about. That's what being in a small group is really about. That's what the idea was, that you would get into a, into a group with a group of other Christians and you would commit yourself to each other as much as you've committed yourself to Christ. And you say, well, I would if I could find the normal people. <laughs> well, that, the problem is, is that you're not one of them. <laughs> That's why they won't let you in. There's nobody normal. But where are the people who say, you know what, I am willing to, to, to discipline myself to give the required grace of real friendship. Ooh, you better write that one down. The required grace that every real friendship will require. These friends would bring him to Jesus. He finally agrees, okay, I'll go. And they start to travel and they start to walk and the difficulty of being blind and traveling and stumbling and and not really knowing where you're going and, and it would just be so much better if I could just stay where I am. God will take you into places that you don't understand and take you down roads that you don't know. And you're kind of blind. And so he goes along with it, and they're probably telling him stories to encourage him and to help him be motivated. Like, he healed lots of people. I'm sure that when you get in front of him, you know, it's just going to happen for you, just like all those other people. Gets in front of Jesus, and I'm sure he's thinking, I don't know if I'm going to say anything. And his friends are the ones that start speaking for him, and he doesn't speak. And the funny thing is, Jesus doesn't speak either. Take a look at the text. Jesus says nothing. Jesus just takes him by the hand and leads him back out of the city. Wait a minute, I just walked all this way in. You can't even say one thing to me, and now we're walking back the way that we came? Wait, wait, stop, stop. Jesus, I came all of this way, you know, pray for me, or heal me, or do whatever it is that you do. Like, you know, zap me, you know, fix me, uh, do something. Have you ever prayed those kind of prayers? Like, God, just change me, like fix, make me a better wife, make me a better husband, take away all of my lust, get rid of all of my problems. God, get rid of this thing. If you would just change this one thing, God, do it now. Zap me. And Jesus is silent. God doesn't say anything when you've said those prayers, right? Have you ever noticed that? Do it now. And the disappointment of God not doing what you wanted him to do right at that moment. And he's just, you mean I got to, you know, I, I just came all of this way. And God is silent and he's taking you on a different path. And you're, you think, I thought I came far enough. I came to church. Great, you want me to fix you in one day, you know, after 28 years of being blind. I, you know, fix me right now. 
I know that there are people in our church that I've prayed for. I mean, I was in the emergency room once, and the doctor said, get the family, because this is it. And the blood pressure was at zero, and we prayed, and 24 hours later, total recovery. I mean, different person, walked out of the hospital. I've prayed over people, and a lady had a lump in her breast. Mammogram, here it is. Goes back for the second mammogram, gone. Little baby, sick, dying. Blood test says, not going to make it. A couple days later, new blood test. Doctors are looking. This looks like the blood test of a different child. We've heard those stories. But what do you do when you've prayed the same prayer with the same pastor, read the same scriptures in the same church, believing for the same miracle, and your lump grew? Or you were praying, God, heal my marriage, and you went to the same marriage counselor, and their marriage got fixed, and he's still crazy. (laughs) Or she's still nuts, and you're wondering, what, God, why aren't you answering my prayer? God, why are you making it so difficult for me? I don't even want to hear about those stories about healing. I don't want people talking to me about God. What do you do when change is not easy? So four observations, four things that will encourage you and help you for people who are in progress, okay? Number one, number one, I think it's just important as an attitude just to thank God for small progress. You thank him just for small progress. Like, okay, I'm not all the way well, but I'm not how I used to be. God, I'm not perfect yet, but I'm better. God, you haven't healed me of everything, but God, thank you that I can see. I mean, it's not all clear yet. It's still fuzzy. I can't make it all out, but God, I can see better than I used to see. Does anybody hear me this morning? Anybody better? Anybody just a little bit better? You're not perfect. I'm not, you know, I'm talking to a few of you, right? All of you better people, uh, perfect people. I'm talking to people who are just a little bit better, and you know it. Thank God for that. You know, gratitude will give you the grace for change. Gratitude. God, okay, I'm married, uh, not happily, but I'm still married, you know. I'm still in there. God, I'm not out of debt yet, but I paid off the visa. God, I'm still, you're still working on me. Thank you, God. Gratitude. Thank God for small progress. Here, let me give you a second one. Number two. Don't cover for God anymore. Stop trying to cover for God when he didn't do what, you know, God was supposed to do because you thought or you said or this is what I believed. And then God didn't do what you thought. And so now you feel you have to live up and and cover for God. You'd be surprised that the Christians who just feel sort of obligated to kind of fake it and to kind of go through and, and, or, or, or maybe lower the expectations of what God can do because, you know, he didn't do what you thought, so now you've got to lower the expectations for everybody. So Abraham, you know, says, God, I haven't seen the sun yet uh, that you promised, so maybe what you're meaning is that, you know, my servant is going to have a son, and that's how I'm going to have the child, because my servant will have the son, it's in my house, so that's the child. And says, that's not what I said to you. And then Sarah says, well, okay, we, I can't have the child, so I'm buried, so what we'll do is, is my servant girl, I'll, I'll send her in to my husband, and they will, you know, have the child because that's what God intends. And God's looking at her. Are you, every woman is going, are you crazy? I mean, why would you do that? People do crazy things when they start to cover for God. 
Why would they do that? These stories are put in the Bible for us so that we can look at them. The people who have been, you know, uh, who have been taught the word of God, but then when God doesn't do what they thought or what they interpreted, uh, it isn't working out. They feel obligated. They, they stop believing. Man, I, I wish I could really talk to some of you this morning. You, you love God. You, you believe in him, you show up to church, you, you can quote scripture, but let's be real. If the truth were told, some of you have no faith. You just don't believe that God really can do what God says he can do. I mean, you, there's like the God of the Bible that you've read about, and you don't have any belief in God for today. You stop believing because it's not, just because it's not been your personal experience. And you discount it and you cover for God. And, you know, uh, maybe you're just too loyal to show your disappointment. You know, when you start covering for God, that's all it is, is camouflage disappointment. We, we have to show everybody that we're rock steady, that everything's good, that we're people of faith. And there's nothing wrong with us. Everything's good. It's fine. We're, we're you know, we're keeping the faith. But inside, we're dying. God does not need your help. God doesn't need you to carry him. God doesn't need you uh, to cover for him. Uh, if he's not finished, he's just not finished yet. If it's not over, it's not over. If you're not healed, it's, you're not healed yet. It's okay just to say that. It's okay to be in process. If this blind man would have covered for God, he would have missed out on really what God wanted to do in his life. Jesus says, what do you see? And honesty was his best friend. I mean, honesty is like, I see, but not so good. I see, but it's like people are like, it's not clear. They're like trees walking around. Suppose he would have said, wow, God, thank you. It's great. I appreciate that. Good. Thank you very much. And then he walked off, you know, and he still can't see. But he's holding up, you know, God prayed and I need to, God doesn't need your help. You know, We have to give up on this idea that God expects perfection out of us. It's okay to be real. Let me me explain it this way. God gave us the Old Testament, the law. He gave the law to those people so they could see that they could not do it. And everybody said, oh, yes, we can keep your law. And they couldn't keep it. You can't either. You can't keep this law. So now I'm going to bring you into this tabernacle that I've created where we're going to sacrifice an animal. And then on the blood of that animal, I'm going to accept that blood and offer you grace because you can't keep the standard. And people were supposed to say, thank you, God, I receive it. I can't keep your standard. And yet people go through life. No, I can keep it. I can do it. And how dare you not keep it? That's the... We're covering for God. And God says, no, you don't understand. One day my son is going to come And that was just a symbol, that was just the picture, that was the shadow, that was the flash card in the Old Testament. Because I'm going to show up, and I'm going to die for your sin, and I'm going to die on the cross, and I'm going to offer you my mercy, and so just come, just as you are. Just come come and and start following me wherever you are. And the church is really bad at that, because the church is this wonderful place where we say, everybody come in, with however you are, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're addicted to, whatever problems you have, whatever, whatever you're depressed about, wherever you're stuck if you're if you need healing God can heal you and we tell people everything and people come in and go great but before long it's not a matter of time and people start going I'm good I'm perfect I dress up I know the words I sing I've got everything and for somehow we start feeling that you know we're not allowed to be real anymore am I just saying this is just is this not true I think it's true we don't want to cover for God anymore we just want to be real it's liberating for us to say you know what he's still working on me 
he's not finished with me yet. I'm not all that I should be. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm your pastor and I'm not where all that I should be. Well, how could you say that? Well, Paul said that. A blind man who was blind, who couldn't see, who later, you know, saw, and he says this. You know, he writes half the New Testament, this, the most spiritual guy after Jesus, and he says, I have not apprehended everything. I don't see it all. I don't understand it all. I'm not where I should be. I haven't gotten as far as I should. <gasps> Paul, how could you say that? Read my lips. I'm not all that I should be. But, you know, forgetting everything that is behind, I am pressing forward. I am going after what God has done for me. That's Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. I am not all that I should be. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I can't see everything yet, but I'm pressing forward. So be honest where you are with the process. And honesty just opens up the door for you to have a real relationship with God instead of a fake one. And a real relationship with other people. Let me give you another one that's really connected to this. And I think it's in this story too. It's don't ever compare yourself to other people. Don't compare yourself. Stop comparing yourself. Just because God didn't do it in your life the way he did it for somebody else doesn't mean that God is not real or evident or he's working in your life. You're not blind Bartimaeus. You're a different blind person. You're blind, but you don't have the same blindness. It's different for you. It may take you longer. It may be harder. It may be more difficult. It might be more gradual. God is going to take you on a different path than anybody else. God knows what I am able to handle, and he knows what I'm not able to handle. It's going to be different for me than it is for you because he knows what I can handle, what I can't. Uh, I've always loved trucks. I've always drive, uh, driven trucks. I have a big Ford F-150 that I love, and I've driven that truck. I, I, my, my dad had trucks. Uh, I've, followed, I've loved Ford trucks all my life. And, you know, there was a, a time when I was 16 years old, we had this friend, and he had a, a dealership, and he would always drive around the latest and the greatest new dealer models, these trucks. So one night, he shows up at the church, and he comes and he hands me these keys, and he says, hey, Darren... And it's the keys to a brand new 1988 Ford 150, top of the line, leather, chrome, black, everything is amazing. And he says, how do you like to take this for a spin? <laughs> I was so excited, 16 years old. Get in that truck and take off. Now, here's the thing you need to know. I grew up in the Caribbean, so this was my first time in Canada. It was winter. I'd never driven a truck with that kind of power or a light back end with rear-wheel drive in the snow. So when he said, take this for a spin, <laughs> he didn't know what he was asking me. I took that thing out, started gunning that thing, and man, I lost control. I spun this beautiful truck out in a massive intersection, and there were all these cars and people dodging, and, and uh, I missed this big pole, and I finish up with the white knuckles on the wheel. <sighs> you know, I had no business driving that truck at my age in conditions that I had never been in before. You can want something that you can't handle. <laughs> you can want something and say, God, this is what I want, and you can be mad that God doesn't give it to you, and God says, I know what you can handle and what you can't, and it's going to be different for you than somebody else. So quit getting upset about that. 
You're unique. You're, 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 there's nobody else like you. You're, you're created uh, with, with, with the sense of, of purpose. God has a purpose for you. He's trying to get you onto that. He's trying to heal you. He knows exactly what that's going to take. You have unique strengths, unique gifts, unique weaknesses, uh, family of origin. It's all unique. And so even though God is the father of all of us, uh, he deals with us individually because he's trying to do something in your life because you personally matter to him. So, so it's going to be different for you, the path that you're on, than somebody else. Okay? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're incomparable. So if that's really true, I cannot allow what God has done in your life and the story of great things that God has done for you to frustrate me. Have you ever been in that situation where somebody told you a great thing that God did and just you're ticked about it? You're just, I don't want to hear that. And God, where were you? And why don't you do that for me? And you know, and you're just mad. It's true. You shouldn't let somebody else's story frustrate you. It ought to inspire you that, wow, God, if you could do that for them, then you could do great things in my life too. I know it's going to be different. You'd be surprised at what we think God has for us just because it happened for somebody else. God has a story for you. It's unique, and you ought to be inspired. I want to teach you something. Say this with me. Lord, make me happy with how you made me. Oh, you could say that again. Lord, make me happy with how you made me. That is a great prayer to pray. And if you meant it, and if you would mean it, Lord, just make me happy with, with, with how you made me. That is a liberating prayer. It starts to produce some great humility in your life. And, and you, start, uh, you, you, be, you, you get grace. You have grace for yourself when you pray that. Because you're hard on yourself, right? But pray that. Lord, make me happy with how you made me. Let, let me have grace for me. And now I've got something to give and grace to give to other people. I have to pray that prayer. Because otherwise, if I'm not happy with me, I'm, I'm comparing myself to somebody else. And I'm either doing better than them or I'm doing worse than them. So I'm either f- depressed all the time or I'm full of pride. And, you know, pride is guaranteed to go before a fall. Depression, nobody, you know, you're stuck. So, God, make me happy with who you made me to be. Because when you do that, now you actually have some grace to give to other people, which is really what I think God is after all the time. Because you have patience, again, with people who have the same problem as you. You say, oh, I feel you. I get you. I understand what you're going through. Somebody else comes along with different blindness, and you're like, you can't even see you know, you, you, you're judgmental towards them. And, and we need to have a lot of patience while God is taking people on different paths because what he delivered you from quickly, it might take somebody else a long time because they're on his plan and not yours. Think of the spiritual maturity, what it really means when I say we're going to be one of the most spiritually mature churches in the world. And some of you hear that and you think of just learning more about the Bible. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what has to happen inside of us, that we can be the community of grace that we have to be, to tolerate the different speeds that God is working with different people, and to be the ability just to love people wherever they are in their spiritual journey, without powering up to some sort of moral superiority and saying, you have to be just like me. I think it's going to take a lot of maturity just to love people, regardless of the speed at which God is transforming them. 
Now, I hope you understood what I was saying there. That's a lot. Do you understand me? That is a big deal for us. We live in a culture that has no tolerance for anybody. And God's calling you to something greater, to something more. I'm not talking about lowering your standards. I'm talking about the grace to accept the imperfections of life rather than holding on to some ideal of perfection that you have to live up to and everybody else has to live up to. Because you can't even keep your own standards, let alone that of a holy God. So once you get real to that, you quit comparing yourself and you say, God, where I am is where you want me to be. Make me happy with how you made me. I'm going to keep trusting you and believing that you're not finished with me yet. You're going to have some grace, and that grace is what it's going to, it's what's going to take you to where God wants you. Let me give you the last one, which is really exciting. This is the best one for last. Number four, don't be afraid to ask God for more. Don't be afraid to ask him for more. I don't know why it is that we just settle I mean, it's a, it's a peculiar thing. God, I'm happy with the way that you made me. Thank you, comma, and I'd still like you to bless me some more. The reason we don't get what we want from God is we just settle for what we have, and we're afraid to ask God for more for whatever reason. He didn't do it the last time. He didn't do what he did. He's not, he's not listening to me. Whatever our expectations are too low. What I'm telling you is one of the great keys to the blessing of God on any great man or woman of God anywhere. They just weren't afraid to ask God boldly for big things. This blind man said, honestly, I don't see very good. Honestly, There's more. I think there's more to receive. And so when other people say, well, I'm just glad for what I've been given, I want to say, look, I'm glad for what I've been given. Thank you, God, for all you've blessed me with. And God, comma, I'd still like you to bless me with more. And we think somehow that that's unspiritual. And some of you are sitting here right now going, well, I don't know about that. I'm not afraid. You see, the the, the danger uh, of not asking God for more. The danger of being satisfied with less than what God has for you. The danger of having no appetite to be filled any more than what you already are filled with. The, the danger of, of expecting less in the face of a God who says, I can do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what you could even ask or imagine. And so when you live, you know, with a desire to do the will of God, you say, Lord, my desire is to put you first and to to live righteously. I can expect that everything will be given to me. God, I trust you. Let let your will be done. Let me acknowledge you. Direct my steps. Lord, um, I want you to give me the the right desires, the desires in my heart. God, I open up myself to you. I hold nothing back. So you have promised you'll do what you have said you'll do in me. I take that confidence and I marry that up with, you know, if you come before, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, come as a little child. And so by faith, I then come with boldness as the scriptures say, before our heavenly Father, before the throne of grace. God, thank you for all that you've given to me. And God, I'm asking you, this is how I want to live my life for you. God, this is how I want you uh, to bless me. This is how I want you to bless my children. God, this is how I envision living my life for you. God, I pray that you will give me everything that I ask for the people in our church. I pray that you would uh, bless our city. And here's what I'm asking you for in our community in the next 10 years. And God, I think that you're not 
done. I know that you're not finished with me yet. If he was finished with me, I'd have died in a car crash. If he was finished with me, my heart would have stopped. If he was finished with me, the plane would have gone down. If he was finished with me, the gunman would have shot me when I was a little kid. God has, I'm still here. So he is not finished with me yet. So God, I want everything that you have planned for me. I don't want to settle for anything less than what you planned. God, give me more. More what? More grace, more love, more anointing, more faith, more integrity, more relationships. God, more uh, desire for you. God, more courage. God, give me more of your, of your anointing. God, give me a greater heart to love you. More. You say, how can you do that? Well, the scriptures say, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you for anyone who acts, asks, receives and whoever seeks finds and whoever knocks and keeps on knocking and just is persistent, the door will be opened unto him. Which of you, if your son asks for a piece of bread, would, would you really give him uh, a scorpion? Or if he asks for some fish, would you actually give him uh, a snake? So if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, why don't you ask your father to give to you? Doesn't it not say that whatever you ask in prayer, if you have faith, you'll receive it? Didn't he not say, if you ask anything in my name, I'll give it to you? Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. I'm not telling you something crazy. I've just been praying scripture right now. That's all I'm doing. I'm praying the word of God. And that's what you need to do. Where is your faith to pray the word of God? He said this, you have not because you, it's the word of the Lord. I'm just trying to say, don't get stuck. Just because things didn't go the way you thought, that's no reason to doubt God anymore. Ask him for more. He didn't condemn this man for being greedy. What, you're coming back again? No, Lord, I I just can't see very good. Can you help me see some more? Come here, let me lay my hands on. Now, God's hand is on your life, and I'm just asking you not to settle. I'm saying, Lord, just make me, give me every bit of grace and strength and courage and faith. In fact, just pray for faith. You don't need a lot of it. God, what do you want to do in me? You know, some of you have been angry with God for a long time, and you're kind of bitter because he didn't do what you thought he should do. Today's a great day for you. Some of you have said, Darren, you're hitting home with me today. You know, my faith is really low. I mean, I love God and I believe the Bible, but my faith to really believe is low. I don't believe him for a whole lot of miracles. I don't trust him for anything great. And some of you, you walked out. God, you know, couldn't, it wasn't real for you. You, you said he didn't change me like I wanted, so you left and you've been gone. You've, you've shown up today, somebody brought you and, and you, you know, if you'd, have, if you'd have just stayed the course, maybe your life would be different now. I don't know why you're here today, but this I know. Today is a day when God is speaking to you, and he's asking you to respond to him. I want to pray for you, and I want you to just be open. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Let me lead you in this prayer today. Heavenly Father, I believe you're speaking specifically to each person. There's not a person who's not affected because affected you're affecting me right now. And I say yes to you, to your will, to your way for the one who's been stiff-arming you for a long time, who has walked away from you, who knew better but just got mad. Lord, let this be their prayer today. Why don't you just pray along with me and say, this is my prayer. 
I'm sorry, Lord, for rejecting you. I'm sorry for walking away. I believe that you are God and I'm not. I'm going to stop playing God. From this day forward, I want to follow you. I want to do what you say. I want to get back on track with you. I want to trust you again. Yes, God, that's me. I want to have faith again. I want to be filled with joy again. I want to trust God again. I want to stop comparing today. Yes, God, that's me. Whatever we need, Lord, you're answering right now. We receive it in Jesus' name. Everybody said together, amen. Amen. Isn't God's word good? Isn't that encouraging today?